I'm Reverend Harry Bridge. And I'm Dr. Scott Mitchell, and this is the Dharma Realm Podcast. And we're coming to you from the Kodo of the Jodo Shinshu Center in Berkeley, California. So this is the Dharma Realm Podcast for September 6, 2013, and today we are talking about how to do Shin Buddhism. So we had a um, question on the uh, Facebook page, and it's a question that comes up kind of again and again, right, and uh, asking about, uh, well, someone interested in Shin Buddhism and sounding like they want to do Shin Buddhism, but they don't live in a kind of established BCA community, uh, and so how to do it? How, what, what can I do? How can I be Shin Buddhist? I think is the, the very broad kind of um, gist of the question. And so I think we've tried to answer this before, at least once, <laughs> maybe twice, um, but we're going to try again, uh, maybe with some different ideas. Uh, not going back to any of the stuff we said before. We didn't go back and listen to old episodes and try and build on that. We just we never listened to old episodes. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's out there. It's gone. Yeah. <laughs> we put it out of there, and it's up to you to use it. Uh, so for this one, um, I had some ideas that kind of came up, and uh, thought we would address this uh, issue. And it's because like, I've now been Buddhist for over twenty years. You know, I wasn't brought up in it. And uh, for me, it very much began as an intellectual kind of thing. I was going to say exercise, but I don't think it was an exercise, but intellectually fascinating, stimulating, uh, and then uh, learning about Buddhism, studying Buddhism on my own, uh, and then realizing, wow, well, what should I do? Right? How, how can I be Buddhist? What does that even mean? Right? And uh, on my own, again, still looking for places to practice, trying to figure out what kind of Buddhism I wanted to do, reading all kinds of stuff, uh, and then uh, finally you know, moving out to uh, Berkeley to go to Institute of Buddhist Studies to train to become a minister, and realizing there's all these other aspects that I hadn't had uh, direct uh, exposure to before, and uh, you know, the more social aspects, the temple aspects, being near a temple, uh, realizing that there's these whole other uh, dimensions. Uh, and so uh, we wanted to kind of break that down uh, today. Cool. Go for it. Um, um, I, I, and I think, uh, I also just want to say, as you were talking, I was thinking one of the interesting things about Jodo Shinshu is that um, Jodo Shinshu was often uh, lumped into this category of Kamakura Buddhism, which is a, a period of Japanese history. Um, where a lot of different Buddhist schools got their start, so to speak, um, and there's a lot of scholarship. Google Kamakura Buddhism, and you'll that's, that's a rabbit hole right there. Um, anyway, uh, one of the th- one of the stereotypes of um, Jodo Shinshu, Jodo Shu, Zen, uh, Nichiren, um, is that they're all um, what are called single practice schools. So in Zen, you know, the only thing you have to do is meditate, and Nichiren, you just say the um, uh, the Lotus Sutra mantra. Um, and I think that there's this implication then that there's like one practice in Shinshu or Pure Land Buddhism, and um, generally we think, oh, that's saying the name or the Nembutsu. Um, 
I don't think that's true. <laughs> At least from experience, it seems like uh, this is one of the difficulties is that there's actually a lot of different things that happen in Jodo Shinshu in practice um, that you can look at it from lots of different ways, which actually, I think, complicates things. It makes it a bit more interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and one of the things Harry and I were talking about before was that we can break it down, as he was saying, into an intellectual side versus other things. You can look at Shinshu from an intellectual point of view or... Um, he has the list I've already forgotten. Okay. Well, yeah, so to me, the, the intellectual is the doctrinal stuff, mm-hmm. the history, right? The, the stuff you get from books, usually. And Buddhism was generally um, studied this way for for long time, uh, centuries. Right? I mean, by non-Buddhists. By, by non-Buddhists, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, in the West. Uh, in Europe, America, you know, scholarship through the... Um, first half of the 20th century and, oh, and least, on yeah. past, right, of looking at doctrine, right, looking at the theories and philosophies uh, of Buddhism. And it's a, f- you can kind of see why. It's fascinating and huge for, for general Buddhism and even for Jodo Shinshu. There's really, really uh, interesting uh, doctrinal ideas. Uh, the history of Jodo Shinshu is really interesting. Uh, and so if you're looking at Buddhism, Jodo Shinshu, through books, that's very much what you encounter, right? Is this kind of intellectual side, and it's not a bad thing, right? Uh, it's it's it is really really interesting, uh, but beyond the intellectual, there's, there's there's so much more. The intellectual is only one part, uh, and I kind of broke it up into two. I think there's a kind of a maybe more spiritual side Ooh. would be one way to put it. I put let's put spiritual in quotes. Um, personal, subjective side, maybe. Uh, maybe we could say a more internal kind of side, mm-hmm. uh, where, okay, I've got some of these ideas under my belt now, but what do I do with it? What does it have to do with me? Mm. Right? And so that uh, I can begin to engage Jodo Shinshu as a practicer. Right? So it's, it's, it's my kind of a personal practice side, maybe is one way we could put it. Mm. Right? And so... Uh, one aspect of this is saying the name, reciting Namo Amida Butsu, right? Is uh, this huge wellspring that that Jodo Shinshu and Pure Land Buddhism comes out of, right? Of uh, just reciting Amida Buddha's name, uh, the Japanese one that we do Namo Amida Butsu, right? Or it could just be Namo Amida Buddha, right? Butsu is just a Japanese pronunciation of Buddha, uh, and so this Buddha name recitation is a huge practice in Mahayana Buddhism. Uh, not only Amida Buddha, but for us we focus on Amida Buddha. Um, so there's that aspect of this personal practice of reciting Namo Amida Butsu, and it's kind of a weird. I mean, if if you haven't, if you didn't grow up in that culture, right, and you grew up, even people growing up in Japan, if they if they didn't grow up in a living Shinshu community or family, um, I think it's kind of odd because you're you're saying, okay, when should I say this? How should I say it? What, when is appropriate? Um, do I say it loud? Do I worry about if other people can hear me? Um, you know, it's, it's very interesting. And if you're going to do it on your own, I remember the struggles I had with it uh, when I was starting out. Uh, of, I didn't even, I heard people saying different versions of it. Because uh, it's not, you don't only hear Namo Amida Butsu, you also hear Namandabu or Namandab, Namandab, Namandab. Right? So there's different ways to um, recite it. Another aspect of this personal practice is, I think, more internal, uh, of self-reflection, 
uh, uh, living your life, but reflecting on that, reflecting on your actions, reflecting on your thoughts, mm-hmm. uh, and trying to become uh, more aware of that. Uh, maybe also reflecting on Buddha, thinking about Buddha, thinking about Amida Buddha, thinking about compassion. Right. So, so to me, there's these two aspects of of um, Shin practice, of of this personal practice is um, kind of awareness of yourself which is more kind of maybe could be more negative kind of stuff, like realizing, yeah, I'm not like Buddha. What I just did was very self-centered. Or, you know, why didn't I think more about this other person than myself? I was much more worried about my own self-interest. Um, but then also with this mindfulness of Buddha, awareness of Buddha, uh, which is one way to translate Nembutsu, right? Buddha mindfulness. Um, it's kind of cheesy, but what would Buddha do in this situation? How would maybe Buddha do something differently than I would? I might do it purely for my own sake or my family's sake, whereas Buddha might say, no, it should be more for the sake of all beings, etc., uh, etc. Et right? So there's that uh, maybe more internal, personal practice aspect. It's interesting. I keep, I keep thinking that you're making this sort of like internal, external distinction, mm-hmm. which is not irrelevant and, and is sort of interesting, right? The sort mm-hmm. of like inward-looking versus outward-looking, mm-hmm. the intellectual... <clears throat> study of history or doctrine might be considered like an external exercise or you're, uh, uh, you know, uh, objectively looking or mm-hmm. critically examining history or philosophy or whatnot versus an internal practice or, um, like you said, a subjective practice of, of critically examining yourself um, mm-hmm. on an internal level, which is interesting, this mm-hmm. sort of way to think about it. Yeah. Just throwing it out there. Interesting dichotomy. And then there's also this internal-external of internal of mental... Uh, consciousness kind of exercise mm-hmm. of self-reflection or thinking about Buddha, but then also Namo Amida Butsu, saying the name. Mm-hmm. This, this practice, action that ha- comes out into the world isn't internal. I mean, you can say Namo Amida Butsu in your head, too, mm-hmm. right? But it, it is a verbal practice, um, an oral practice of, of uh, recitation. All right, let's talk about spiritual. Okay. Because you put quotes around spiritual. Yeah, just because spiritual... And how about talk about magic? Okay. <laughs> Or I'm 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 halfway joking, but um, what do you mean by spiritual? Um, I'm I think here I'm using it in a very general sense mm-hmm. of um, matters of the spirit, um, <laughs> personal. I put you on the spot. <laughs> yeah, personal spiritual practice, mm-hmm. um, something more than just the physical, scientific, rational world. Realizing maybe that there's something else going on, right? That that. Um, Thinking about Buddha, um, reflecting on myself can be a spiritual activity, mm-hmm. not purely psychological, not purely um, physical. scientific or physical, mm-hmm. um, but that maybe there's tapping into something bigger. Right? Uh-huh. Um, in academic studies, spiritual is really kind of a, um, I don't know, you want to put it in brackets? It's or another rabbit hole. Or, yeah. yeah. Um, and I say, I said magic because I think that part of the spiritual tradition, um, not sure how I want to say this without getting in trouble from uh, academic colleagues, but <laughs> um, I'll just say it. It seems to me that uh, part of a spiritual religious practice has to do with a sort of transformation, the transformative aspect of the practice, mm-hmm. um, which I think is definitely in Shinshu. There's you know sort of famous little uh, phrases we have like um, what's that turning rubble into gold or whatever you know those, those kinds of things, um, which I think 
re- relates to this idea of, of, of Buddhist practice somehow being transformative, mm-hmm. right? You're, yes. you're engaging in it in part because it's, it's hopefully going to change who you are in some sort of way. Transformative of the self. Right, right. Um, and, I, and I use the word magic because I think that it's a funny word. Uh, and I think that we don't, I think, you know, sort of contemporary, modern, rational people don't like the word magic because it seems like, oh, magic is this thing that's not real or it's, you know, we think like wizards and witches and, you know, other sort of uh, mythological kind of things that um, aren't, uh, aren't real, also in quotes. Um, but why not? Right, like, like, why not uh, sort of assume that there is the potential for um, if we're if we're talking about spiritual spirituality in terms of tapping into something that's not material or something that's sort of beyond this our sort of ordinary thinking about science or whatever else, why not think about things that are transformative in some sort of elusive way? Mm-hmm. Just putting it out there, and and I think this is relevant to saying the number two because I think that this is. I, I would argue, and some other folks might argue, that there's some connection between the reciting of the Nembutsu and pre-existing, uh, I'm just going to say it, tantric or Vajrayana Buddhist practices oh, yeah. that in and of themselves tap into um, a long history of, of transformative, uh, spiritually efficacious, magical practices. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't know. Yeah, there is that, and, you know... Um, I think I think Shinshu is sensitive to it, maybe overly sensitive. <laughs> yes. Um, where that's why I'm treading lightly. <laughs> it's not magic. Yeah, that's why right? I'm treading lightly. We're not trying to. So maybe one way to un- this is interesting because it's another internal external thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're not trying to change the world around us. Mm. We're not trying to magically heal. We're not trying to magically change things, make things different, make circumstances different. Other kinds of Buddhism very often do. Absolutely. Right? And if you go to Japan and you go to a temple, they have all these omamori, these little um, um, amulets that you can get. And it's like traffic safety. So like this amulet has magical efficacy to help you um, get in less car car accidents or um, get into a relationship or heal. Right? And um, there are healing rituals in other kinds of Buddhism um, or, you know, chant and get what you want kind of thing of like um, Soka Gakkai, mm-hmm. right? Where they say, no, absolutely. There's, you know, the Daimoku, the Lotus Sutra is so powerful. You can, if you want something, chant and you will get it. It will change the universe, right? And Shinshu is very much... It doctrinally rejects that. Doctrinally rejects it, yeah. yeah. And yet, at the same time, I think that there's an undercurrent of, you know, turning bits of rubble into gold, which <laughs> evokes that. Mm-hmm. But again, it's on a, it's you know to me like I would you know, a clear distinction obviously between chanting the Nembutsu in order to you know get material possessions or, or become wealthy or get out of traffic accidents and uh, chanting the Nembutsu as a personally internal transformative spiritual event. Mm-hmm. Clear distinction. I'm not a heretic. <laughs> I'm gonna take those parts maybe out. I, maybe I'm a little bit of a heretic. <laughs> and one of the interesting things that comes up is a lot of times. You know, you hear that someone's sick, and people say, "Oh, I'll pray for you." Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Right, and so petitionary prayer is a whole another thing that Shinju is really sensitive about. Yeah, uh, and the idea that um, by praying, um, and I'm put thousand quotes too because right. there's different kinds of prayer, but that, has but some that sort of somehow power. I'm gonna do something that could help you get healthier, right? Or help this person get healthier, right? And Shinju is really, um, I think, historically. Um, um, Say we don't do that. Yeah, we'll still say the nembutsu, 
right? But um, we're reciting the name of Buddha, hoping that you have the strength to deal with whatever happens. I don't. I think we recognize we don't have the power to cure someone's disease, terminal disease, or something. Um, it's really interesting, you know. And so, so when it, like I'm on a lot of different forums, bass guitar forums. And sometimes someone gets sick and all these people say, okay, I'm thinking about you, I'm sending good vibes, I'm praying, you know, and I really don't feel comfortable saying anything. I usually never participate in those. Um, even though maybe I should say, I'm thinking about you, mm-hmm. right? We can do that. Sure. Right? And maybe the positive vibes do have an effect. Who knows? I don't know. You know, maybe someone hearing, wow, all these people are thinking about me, right, can actually affect them. Uh, but doctrinally, my saying Nembutsu isn't going to all of a sudden have Amina Buddha turn his head, oh, I didn't notice that person here, let me heal them. Right? That'd be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so it's interesting. So, so that, that is part of being a Shinshu person is, what is my practice and how does it affect others? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm, so maybe that's our bridge now we're getting to, to the, the next, next one, that's yeah, right. which is the more social, and this is external also, external, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not purely personal and subjective, it's being Shinshu Buddhist in community. Right, which I, which I would argue is a, both. Personally, because mm-hmm. I think that the social is, is in part, you know, you being a part of a group, but it's also your relationship to other people. So it's how am I behaving in community, mm-hmm. right? So it's internal. What am I doing external because it matters to these other people? Right. Um, because the interesting... relationships matter. And, right, right, right. And I, and I think a lot of people don't, well, I don't know. Anyway, go on. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so there's two ways of being in community mm-hmm. as a Shin Buddhist, mm-hmm. I think. One is being Shin Buddhist, and you're the only one. You're still in community, but the communities you're in are not Shin Buddhist communities. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of like this lone Shinshu practitioner, mm-hmm. practicer. Uh, and so your relationships are really important. Reflecting on those relationships is really important. That's part of your practice. That's part of your being Shin Buddhist, is reflecting on that. Absolutely. But the aspect of being in a Shinshu community is that you can... Shinshu has a history of uh, community. Yeah. One really important part is the ritual aspect. And so uh, even though uh, it rejects um, the efficacy of ritual to change the world, we still do it. Sure. We still recite sutras. We still offer incense. We still do gasho together, recite the name together. Uh, And this is what part of going to temple is. Right? And I think part of it is that when we recite the sutras, we're doing it together. Mm-hmm. We're breathing together. Right? It, it fosters community. It strengthens community because we're all chanting together, right? trying, hopefully trying to get to the, right, the same pitch, but if not, it's okay too. But when, when everyone's chanting together, it's really nice. Mm-hmm. Like You can feel it when things click and everyone's in, in time and in tune. Um, it's really, really neat. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think that breathing is a big part of that. Uh, and so there's that ritual aspect of community. Another aspect of community is kind of um, more the dojo model, maybe we could call it. Well, well, one is the Dharma. The, 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 the normal one, quote-unquote, is listening to a Dharma message. Right? So after the ri- part of the ritual, actually, not after, part of the ritual, you chant sutras, sing, um, maybe re- do recitation of three treasures or something, and then... Whoever is giving the Dharma message talks about the Dharma and everyone listens. That's the kind of traditional model, I think, that we still see today. But there's also another traditional model that's maybe not emphasized as much of the dojo, of um, 
practitioners getting together and discussing with each other. Minister doesn't have to be there. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like just different uh, practitioners getting together and talking about their experiences, talking about their understanding, um, being able to encounter other people who are also doing this. That's the important thing. Yeah. Maybe encountering someone who has been transformed, mm-hmm. that's maybe ideal. Right? If you can be around someone uh, that, and they would never say, I've been transformed, I'm you know, one of the chosen ones, so you, here, you follow me. Yeah, they shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Tell them if they haven't come. No. Um, right? That, yeah. that um, being with other practicers is really, really, um, I think, important. Mm-hmm. That's what you miss uh, when you're not near a temple, yeah. uh, when you're sure. not near a community. Uh, and I think that's part of the question. How do you get that? And that's where we don't really have very good answers, I don't well, think. Because you just need to make one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, uh, uh, several things. I mean, you know, you started off saying that there's different kinds of community. There's community of other Shin Buddhists and then there's community with everybody else. I mean, you know, that's a reality, I think, of everybody, regardless of where you live. You know, we all have multiple communities, right? You have your family, you have your work life, you have your religious life, you have, you know, and, and there's probably overlap in a lot of those areas, right? I mean, you know, hopefully your family goes with you to religious life, or maybe they don't, or maybe you work with people who are also family members, or, you know, what, I mean, you know, you can see how those worlds would sort of overlap, but um, you know, ideally, you're engaging with all of those communities as a, as a Buddhist, um, or reflecting on those relationships as a Buddhist, or wh- however you want to phrase that. Um, so that's important, you know. Don't lose sight of that. Um, secondly, the dojo model makes total sense. I think people, um, I think we wait sometimes for direction. You know, like the BCA or some organized authority is going to come in and say, "Okay, we're going to start some new thing for you." You know, here's a temple, here's a community. Um, you know, start the fellowship on your own. You know, if you can find people in your area, which I recognize might be uh, difficult or impossible. And that's okay, you know what I mean? Like, if you can't start a community, you can't start a community. Because, again, there's other ways to do practice um, besides just being in community. Um, community is really important, but there's other things, as we've been saying, that you can do. Um, and, and ritual is important, I think. Um, I think that people tend to... There's a certain anti-ritual vein in American religion, but I think ritual is really important, regardless of why we do it. Um, another rabbit hole would be ritual theory, and we could talk about um, you know sociological, anthropological reasons for ritual and how that creates community or sustains community or um, undermines community and creates new community. You know, I mean, ritual is really important in, this, in the social aspect, but I think that um, I don't know there's something in my mind. There's something sort of uh, innate in human beings that we crave, you know, ritual and, and celebration. Like we, we have this desire to say we're doing something important and special now to mark some event. Um, and that can be, and, and here again, we get back to magic, that can be um, important sort of socially, but also it can be important in terms of your own spiritual development. Mm-hmm. Whether or not magic quote-unquote is real (laughs) one of the issues with our ritual in bca is we're still doing a lot of the japanese ritual right right, but like you said you know when you have those moments when everybody's chanting and everybody's breathing right like those are the most powerful moments to me i don't know if 
I don't, I, you know, I don't know, and I don't really care whether or not something is happening to me in some sort of, you know, mm-hmm. higher sense or whatever. But I do know that feeling. I know that feeling of being in a room with a bunch of other people chanting in a language nobody speaks, <laughs> nobody has ever spoken, um, and just that act of doing that practice together has an effect. I don't know what it is, but it's a pretty powerful one. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm thinking for someone coming to this out of the blue, if you go into a temple and everyone's chanting, you can chant quietly along, mm-hmm. right? If you're trying to start your own community or trying to start your own personal practice and you don't even know how it goes or know how to pronounce, like Japanese pronunciation yeah, see, is very regular, but... But here's the problem, you're getting back into your head. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I think that when people come into this community and uh, when they come into any Buddhist community, when they come into any Buddhist practice and they walk in and they say, why are you doing this? What does this mean? Mm-hmm. What do the words mean? They're in their head. They're stuck up in their head. And they're approaching it from an intellectual point of view. And I think that that's not a mistake because that's important. And there's definitely a time and a place for us to look at the sutras and to translate them and to figure out what they're saying. But there's also a time to just let that go and chant. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, just let it go and do it. And if you do it wrong, it doesn't matter. Like, just do it. But if you're on your own Uh in your room, just chant. I don't know. That's I'm riled up. I we have this new microphone and I want to pound at the table, but I'm not supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's one of the things that we're. Um, I think we've talked about this before too. Some kind of kit that we could send to people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and it would have to include a CD of, of the chanting. traditional yeah, chants, absolutely. Right, right, so that you can at least listen to it and hear how it goes. Even chant along with the CD for a while. Yeah. until you feel confident. You know, uh, 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 so, some temples have that. There's a temple up in um, in Canada. I want to say. I want to say Manitoba, but I could be wrong about that. Maybe it's Ontario. That actually has a whole bunch of uh, uh, chanting online. Oh, cool. Um, you know, so you could certainly find some. Of, we could yeah, use yeah. that for our, our future kit that we're going yeah, yeah. to put together and be famous. And BCA needs to put something together, too. They really We've, do. Um, yeah. Joe Shinshu Correspondence Course is asking for it and everything. So we'll work on it. We'll work on it. The other aspect of the social um, that we need to take into account, too, is just being with other people. And usually Jodo Shinshu people in this case. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of what happens at the temple is eating, yeah. preparation, uh, working together, uh, cleaning up. And, people and always that's say, part of it. Yeah, people always say that's not practice or that's not Buddhist. But, you know, no, 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 no. Especially in Jodo Shinshu where arguably Jodo Shinshu practice is living your life. Then if you, if you think that Shin practice is living your life, then every single thing that happens at the temple even things that seem completely and totally unrelated to anything, mm-hmm. um, that's also practice, which yeah. is hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It ain't easy being a Shin Buddhist. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's all the areas we wanted to cover. Um, so, um, you know, that intellectual, that more kind of doctrinal stuff is important, right? And it comes up at Temple too, maybe not as much. Um, I think, like, as a minister, I think I see much more of the social yeah. of, you know, sure. stuff that happens outside the hondo is <laughs> really important. The stuff that happens inside the hondo is really important, of the chanting and, you know, the ritual and everything. Um, and maybe the, the, the bridge between that is that the personal side of just, you know, I can't change anyone else, um, but I can look at myself, I can look at my own actions, I can think about this stuff. Uh, and taking it from the purely intellectual more into the more subjective, mm-hmm. uh, experiential kind of thing uh, is a thing that I think anyone can do. 
Right? And then uh, with the internet, you know, internet's kind of overrated sometimes for this, but, um, you know, there is a Jodo Shinshu correspondence course that actually does kind of foster community and they have like an annual thing where people who are taking the class can come to the Jodo Shinshu Center. Yeah, they just had um, it, didn't it? Yeah, they just had it last weekend. Um, so they're, they're, you know, get involved, just yeah. talk to people online or whatever and, um, you know, events, we're gradually getting more and more events like actual events that people can go to and trying to... It's interesting, um, Revenue Mezu, the, um, the uh, relatively new bishop, he's been bishop for over a year now, I think, but, um, yeah. you know, bishop of um, Buddhist Churches of America, he says, um, it's, it's actually, you know, we put so much energy into the temples that already exist, but in a, he wants Jodo Shinshu in every state. <laughs> right? And, you know, in a way, maybe that's more important. Yeah. Maybe ministries should be out there um, more on the front lines. Mm-hmm. Um, in that sense, of the, more the frontier, maybe we could say. Front lines, I'm a, I feel like I'm on the front lines, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. but um, more frontier kind of thinking uh, and uh, trying to create more opportunities for sure. people. That's an exciting idea. I, I yeah. laughed there because that made me sort of excited, not... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought yeah, it was a ridiculous yeah. idea. It's, yeah. it's actually a, a cool... It's like a, you know, it's a, it's a goal, you know, yeah. like I think a plan. Is, is in order. So. And the internet is a part of that frontier, yeah. right? Because yeah, yeah. the internet is where a lot of people encounter a lot of these ideas. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I think I right. see... And so then to take coming into contact with those ideas and then on a local level, people need to um, turn those ideas into community. And the BCA can support that, but I think unfortunately a lot of that's going to have to happen uh, organically and from the, the ground up. Yeah. Um, you know. Yes. Unless, unless, unless uh, uh, Reverend Amezu has the, the power to, to, to send some ministers to uh, states that are not populated with Shinshu at all. And, um, I don't know. I think he's prepared to drive himself. Oh, yeah? <laughs> awesome. 